Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Water, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing fantastic, my friend. Excited for today's conversation. We are going to be talking about a subset of the population today out of the Healthy mm-hmm. Hero study. So shift workers, yeah. uh, specifically physicians, nurses, police, pilots, firefighters, the frontline workers that we are so appreciative Thank of. You. But you guys are subject to having increased cardiometabolic risk. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be talking in detail about a study that has recently come out. But that doesn't let the rest of us off the hook because no, not. <laughs> there is a large segment of the population that also has the same lifestyle disruptions as our frontline heroes, right? As the people yeah. that are out there that have flipped their life, right? Because of mm-hmm. their work outside of that standard nine to five. So today's episode, we feel is gonna be applicable to all of us. We're gonna talk about decreasing those cardiometabolic risks and then also specifically for, for those shift workers on how you guys can still incorporate a fasting lifestyle to lose the weight and get healthy, which is the whole point of fasting from, from our perspective, Tommy. If you guys are new mm. to the podcast, Please go back, listen to episode zero and episode one if you feel so inclined. I went back and listened recently. We sound different, not just yeah. technology-wise, like microphone-wise, Yeah, but we sound different. But our story still stays the same. It is tried and true to why we are here almost three years later, Absolutely. still delivering weekly episodes. So if you want to learn more about who we are and why we do what we do, head back, give us a listen with a little bit of grace. And I also want to give a shout out <laughs> to Travis who recently gave us a five-star review. So if you are so inclined, we love reviews. That tells the podcast gods that we're doing something good and providing value in this podcast space because we know today everybody has a podcast, but you guys are supporting (laughs) this one specifically, and we just could never imagine now millions of people that have listened to us. So very grateful for all of you new listeners, you you longtime listeners as well. And Travis, we want to give you a shout out from the most recent review that we just saw come through. Yeah, Travis said, five stars, great fasting podcast. I've listened to quite a few fasting podcasts, and this is by far my favorite. I like how each (laughs) episode, yeah, mine too. I like how each episode completely dives into a topic, clear explanations, professional production. Ooh, thank you. Binge listen while driving, and then a little uh, smiley, smiley laughing face. So thank you, Travis, again. You know, we appreciate that because we know, you know, it takes a few seconds. Our our time's valuable, right? And it takes a few seconds to do that. So we we definitely do appreciate that. So thank you again. So that's the segment, the self-aggrandizing segment of today's podcast episode. But I love that he said it, you know, I've listened to a lot, right? And the whole sound thing, I'm like, man, I went back and listened. Yeah, we have have leveled up. So thank you, Travis. Thank you, guys. Thanks for Uh, the grace from everybody. Yes, yes. We're figuring it out, too. So we believe we've leveled up as we go through this, and we want to continue to provide you value each week. So Let's get into today's conversation, Tommy. Time-restricted cool. eating for improving cardiometabolic health in shift workers. So this is a randomized controlled trial. 
And as always, we find some things interesting in here, but big picture, we wanna start off with 27% of the US workforce. So as we mentioned, the frontline workers, the physicians, nurses, police, pilots, firefighters, truck drivers can even fall into this category as well. We have yes, a lot of y'all yes. that listen on the road. And you guys, this came out of the Healthy Heroes study because you guys are the frontline heroes of our society, right? So yeah. I love that they named it this. And yeah. shift workers are frequently subject to the erratic light-dark cycle, mm. sleep disturbances and sleep activity that's taking place outside of your, your standard circadian rhythm patterns. Yeah. Eating and fasting patterns are all dysfunction because of when right. you're working, right? Yep. And that leads to that chronic circadian rhythm disruption, which is at the crux of some of this, some of the stuff that comes out of this study. And we'll break down the specifics here in just a minute. But it, it's important to know that it's not just the fact that you're operating outside of the nine to five, but it's what is it doing to your circadian rhythm and your metabolism and your body's normal circadian yeah. processes. Yeah. And even like your your hormonal cycles that actually come along with those those disturbances and the circadian rhythms are are like they're such a, a major driver to a lot of those hormonal cascades that that we rely upon and that are going to come up in in blood work and in our waistline and in our our visceral fat and all the things that matter and then later disease processes you right. know so so if we can if we can do things to to mitigate and to compensate and to understand which which levers can we pull to like do better than whatever the the kind of status quo is or or the path of least resistance is because you're doing shift work like overnight you might have dinner at, at 3 a.m or or something else you know like crazy but at the same time even if you got enough sleep prior to that shift your body is like freaking out right now because my my insulin response is not matching up with with the circadian rhythm with with the the light dark cycle that's happening right now. It's just, it, it's kind of like havoc. So what, what can we do to do better? Because we know that shift workers are, are at a higher risk for all of these things, these cardiometabolic diseases. And, and we need to get a handle on, on some of that so that, so that we can continue to perform our, our job functions and, and other things like that and still maintain control over our long-term health outcomes. Yeah. And that's the thing with shift work. It's a necessary component of society, right? So we need mm -hmm. feasible strategies to offset the negative effects of that shift work Absolutely. and to improve our overall health, right? So already you're on the front line, but we don't need to be putting this group of people that keep our society going at a higher risk, right? So right. we know that shift work elevates the risk for obesity, diabetes, and cardiovascular disease. So in this study that we'll break down in just a second, I will say it is male dominated in this study. There was only a small subset of women that were that were in this randomized control trial. There was 137 mm -hmm. shift workers total, and it was done in firefighters, right? Mm -hmm. So okay. age yeah. 23 to 59, there was no diagnosed diseases, right, of these cardiometabolic diseases that we've mentioned, but 71% mm -hmm. of these people had one of the risk factors. So something elevated on their blood work, some symptom of an underlying issue, which we know is specifically with blood sugar related issues, that eight or nine out of the top 10 reasons why people die here in the United States are due to blood sugar related imbalances or insulin to some degree. So yeah. when we're looking at this, some of you are hopefully still listening that aren't shift workers, because in addition to that, a large segment of the population also has a lifestyle or an outside influence that mm -hmm. disrupts their circadian rhythms similar to a frontline shift worker. Yes. Right? Yes. So, meaning individuals that have to stay awake for two to three hours between the time of 10 p.m. 
and 5 a.m. for at least 50 days a year. So this could be caring for a loved one. This could be scrolling TikTok for hours, <laughs> blue light disruption, right? Yeah, Staring right. at a screen. This could be your dogs, right? Or your cat waking mm -hmm. you up. This could, for yeah. me, just this week, it was my son up all Newborns. night. Yeah. Newborns, babies, yeah. loved ones, right? So a large proponent of the population also has this disruption and not due mm -hmm. to the fact that they don't work a nine to five, but because of, you know, care responsibilities and even social jet lag. So like yeah. the social aspect of life, going out for dinner, having drinks, et cetera, sure. which is one of the big takeaways we'll talk about here that we found interesting from the study regarding alcohol. We'll get to that in just a minute. Yeah, um, college students, oh, right? Oh, like, like studying pulling all nighters and, and things like that. Or, you know, you're you're a professional and, and it comes to, you know, that part of the quarter or whatever it might be. And you're burning the midnight oil, you yeah. know, burning the accountants, the, the CPAs during ends. tax yeah. time. Yeah. Oh, man, it's crazy. If I would have known, we, I have an aunt who's a CPA and it's always like, all right, talk to you after tax season. It's like, OK, right. bye. Good seeing you. you Going know? into my cave. Yeah. Right. Who knows what I wish I would have there. known, you know, all that wearing that as a badge, right, of honor in mm -hmm. the restaurant business for years. And then, you know, undergrad and grad school, always being the guy pulling the all nighters. I wish I would yeah, have known that that too. was that was really building my issues that yes. finally showed up in yeah. when I was running an office in my in my mid 30s. Like I had no idea that all of that stuff was was a component of yeah. those just like these people, the shift workers in this study, these firefighters, 71 percent of them have one of the red flags raised. Mm -hmm. about a future problem related to obesity, diabetes, and cardiovascular disease. So yes. yep. building those, la those layers of resistance now. Yeah, just one of those big ahas for me coming out of this study. So the, it was really cool, randomized control study. So I mean, let's break down some of the, the, the study and then we'll talk about some of the outcomes. Yeah. Can ahead. I interrupt you for, for one moment? Uh, uh, this so is what we it, do. Yeah, it's just, it's just the fact that we've said shift workers a lot. But the, the fact of the matter is that it's that transition between like being on and being off that can be really, really tough. And we all have some component of that in our day to day life. I mean, like nobody, especially, has if, you're, especially if you're trying to like tiptoe around the word dieting. Yeah. On yeah. off. Yeah. I don't know if that's yeah. where you were going, but that's what just triggered. Hey, y'all want to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently. Um, and now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code uh, fasting for life to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly, uh, my little guy, my two-year-old has not slept consistently through the night uh, since he was born. We have tried everything you can imagine. He is our third child. And we're just like, what is happening? So we have gone to great lengths, time, money, and effort to figure out um, how we can help him sleep. And uh, the reality is, uh, we were pretty much just resigned to the fact that this is how it's going to be until we put the Air Doctor Pro in his room. And I am not joking when I tell you the first night that we put it in his room, he slept through the night. The second night, slept through the night. Now we're up to 35 plus days that he has slept through the night. He has only woken up two times rather than two, three times a night, two times in the last 35 days and counting. And we are just so incredibly grateful. The reality is, uh, we had a feeling that it was something that we were missing and the indoor air, air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air these days. In some cases, up to a hundred times more. We spend 90% of our time indoors and we take 20,000 breaths a day. So what's the solution? An air purifier, a cut above the rest. I'm not going to lie. We have tried others. We've tried other HEPA filters. We've tried other air filters. We have spent the money and they have not 
done the results that Air Doctor did in literally the first day that we put it in his room. They filter out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants. That includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. So I don't know what it was that was keeping them up, but it is now gone. So Air Doctor comes with a 30-day Breathe Easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com. Use promo code FASTINGFORLIFE to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. An exclusive listener um, offer for you as well. You'll receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. That's exclusive to you, the podcast listener, now hearing this in real time. Lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code FASTINGFORLIFE. You guys know that we are very particular with who we partner with. And if it wasn't for this incredible company and this, the incredible results that we've seen, I would not be encouraging you to head to the website and take advantage of the Fasting for Life promo code. So if you support our sponsors, you are ultimately supporting us. We are grateful for you listening in. And now back to today's episode. Well, yeah, that that's part of it for sure. And then, you know, but even like, one or two late nights here, you know, a little less sleep over here or, you know, whatever it might be. It might be like nighttime lifestyle, like behavior patterns, whatever it might be. It leads to the same stuff. It's just like when we talked about sleep disturbances and how getting less than six and a half hours, like just on, just on one night leads to an insulin resistance spike the very next day. Does it come back when I regulate my sleep? Absolutely. But the, the fact of the matter is that one night that the insulin resistance peaked, that that didn't do good things. That that deposited a little bit more visceral fat than than it should have been, or it might have a, a small, tiny effect on the waistline. That's just gonna it's gonna it has carry a with huge me. effect for me on food choices. Yeah, if I have a I had a I had less than three hours a few nights ago, mm-hmm. and I had an afternoon planned of productivity. I was shot, and all my brain could think about was I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, oh, I'm, hungry I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. Because we know that that one night can disrupt your insulin sensitivity, like you said, insulin resistance. And for me personally, those cravings. So yeah. imagine extrapolating that out, never mind just during this 12 week study, but to 365 times a year, then times yeah. a decade, then times a quarter of your life. Right. Each one of those incidents is like, yeah. I'm a shift worker tonight. Yeah. So think about yourself like yeah. that when we're, when we're going through this study. Now, we are not equating scrolling on your phone to TikTok to being a police officer oh, of on the front lines. Yeah, okay. No, no, right. no, no. But physiologically speaking, there's a lot of overlap there in terms of what's happening to the disruption of the circadian rhythm. So I love that point. So the primary, let's talk about the study, 137 shift workers, firefighters ages 23 to 59. Interestingly enough, the control group was a 14 hour eating window, right? And the time restricted eating or the TRE group was 10 hours. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) To maybe 11. (laughs) To maybe 11. So we haven't even gotten to the, in our world, Fasting. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't even gotten to fasting. We're like, we're like knocking at the door of fasting. They're warm up (laughs) fasting. Okay. Both groups ate a Mediterranean diet. Okay. So it was interesting because there were some changes that took place. And they say that in the big picture, some of those changes were probably directly related to, you know, the standard of care, which is the control intervention, which was a healthy Mediterranean diet. Because some parameters, including systolic blood pressure, fasting blood glucose, and CRP, which is inflammation, and we'll break these down individually here in a second, also improved in the control group. So there was Mm -hmm. some overlap here because both groups reduced the caloric intake and their opportunity to eat. 
yeah. uh, by about 16% on average, and both groups increase fruits and vegetables. So we're not turning a blind eye to the fact that, oh, you're focusing on your health? Wow, things improve. But there was some cool <laughs> discrepancies or uh, improvements in the TRE group that did not take place. Um, so let's just kind of go through some of these, Tommy, in the, um, the control group versus the TRE group, right? So mm -hmm. I'm gonna list off primary and secondary. The primary and secondary metrics that they were tracking here the primary study outcomes were the feasibility of TRE and the adherence to TRE. So mm -hmm. speaking to our soul. Yeah, yeah. Is it sustainable? Set <laughs> your timer. This? Yeah. Set your timer. Stick to a fasting window, right? And they yeah. were determined by how often participants ate within their self-selected, which I thought was really cool because mm -hmm. shift work, it changes. That large population of, you know, that we talked about that isn't on the front line, but is also having the same circadian changes due to life stresses and kids and all the stuff we mentioned. Yeah, um, It's a self-selection process. So we don't believe in here's your meal plan, here's your solu long-term solution. Yeah, yeah. It's on you to kind of trial and error and figure out what's gonna be a sustainable solution for you. That's why we don't sure. like fasting as a diet, we like fasting as a lifestyle habit adaptation. So yeah. um, the glucose regulation, so we're talking about fasting blood glucose, HbA1c, insulin and insulin sensitivity were also assessed as primary outcomes. Mm. And the secondary outcomes were body weight, body mass index, body fat percentage, quality of life, love it, sleep, yeah. and then the cardiometabolic mouthful, disease risk factors, including cholesterol, triglycerides, and C-reactive protein, as well as systolic and diastolic blood pressure numbers. So they were all assessed at baseline and then again at 12 weeks. It's a really cool so, design study. Yeah, that is cool because um, we, don't, we don't see a lot that take into, into account for like quality of life and some of those other markers. Like that's, that's pretty comprehensive right there, you know, as far yeah. as like painting an overall health picture. So it is, it's cool whenever you start to look at the actual results of it and go, well, even, even the control group had a few things like, you know, improve a little bit, a little bit of blood pressure improvement, a little bit of HDL improvement, a slight CRP and a slight fasting blood glucose improvement. But it, it went well beyond that for the, you know, for the, the more strict, deliberate group that was doing 10 to 11 hours of time-restricted feeding where you had an, some additional benefits come into, into play. But I, I just thought a cool point right there was, is just the fact that going from not thinking about the time or the compartmentalization of your actual eating to, to just compartmentalizing it with, with some intentionality over time equals some, some really good normalization going on, especially within this increased risk group, because everyone who was in this study who, who already had like elevated numbers, their numbers improved more. So you had, you had a lot of folks who, who maintained at kind of a baseline, especially in the control group, but they didn't have any elevation. They didn't have anything like out of whack already. But if right. they had something that was was dysregulated or uncontrolled, yeah. there was improvement. That if was they cool. were so, what you're saying there is, if they were seventy, if they were one of the seventy one percent of the the study that had one of those abnormal markers indicating mm -hmm. a future problem, right, like a yeah. cardiometabolic relationship, then yeah. they saw the biggest change compared yeah. to the control group. Even though con yeah. the control group still saw that change, so the windows here are so contradictory to my brain 
but it reminds me of the restaurant business, you know, at the restaurant, two, 3 a.m., going mm-hmm. to bed, waking up, you know, getting that meal in before I go to bed in the morning, right? Yeah. Morning. Yeah, yeah. Got so, my dinner. <laughs> right. Late dinner. Yeah. So in the control group, the 14-hour window was 7 a.m. to about 10 p.m. And my dad mm-hmm. used to work Saturday nights. And he would go to bed at around 1, 2, sometimes 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. and But then he'd get up at 10 and then he would eat dinner and then go to work. And then he'd have his lunch in the middle of the night. And yes. then he would come home and eat a meal and then go to bed. So that it was around those same mm-hmm. timelines. He would get home mm-hmm. on Sunday, you know, between 10 and 11 and he would eat, right? So it really like real life application, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I remember that happening when I was growing up. In the TRE mm-hmm. group, their window was a couple hours later in the morning. So 9 a.m. and they stopped at 7 p.m. So mm-hmm. that three hour window, a little bit of variability, self-selected, by the way, which I really love. Mm. Interestingly enough, the TRE group adhered to their 10-hour eating window on approximately five days of the week and then consumed food or beverages outside of their eating window one to two days a week, so about 25% of the time. Yeah. That reminds Just me like of the life. five, too, or <laughs> yeah. the yeah, Monday yeah. through Friday, or <laughs> the three or four days on, three or four days off if you're in the, the medical field, right? You're mm-hmm. on call, you're not on call. Firefighters on call, you're not on call. So Monday through Friday, oh, I got the weekend. Five, two, air quotes, diet. Oh, I normal on five days, fasting on two days. It was cool just to see that kind of inherently came out without being directed to do so. Yeah, even if if you went about your week and you let up a little bit, I'm not talking going like full on weekend warrior or anything else like that, but if it was just kind of like I'm I'm more on, I'm more deliberate about it, or I have tighter windows, tighter boundaries, maybe during the week. And then on the weekend, I I loosen it up just a little bit, a little bit more flexibility just for for real life purposes. You know, of course, if if that's working, if that's not working, maybe I need to tighten it up some more. But just the fact that they weren't they weren't looking for perfection in this study is a is a really cool, I, I think, takeaway. That's kind of what I heard there. Yeah, no, it was, I, I love that it just inherently came out and it matches so much of the other stuff that we hear so often, right? Mm-hmm. The struggle of like long term sustainability. So I love that this, first of all, was the results were so incredible just in a 14 hour window, like without any like other than, hey, eat a better training tonight. Here you go. Yeah. And then the 10 hour window, just three hour, well, it was 11, three hour difference. Rat-a-tat-tat over 12 weeks. The control groups are a decrease in systolic blood pressure, decrease in fasting blood glucose, decrease in CRP, which is an inflammatory marker that messes with your hunger signals and your effectiveness of your insulin and your leptin, mm-hmm. and a slight increase in the good, air quotes, good cholesterol. Mm-hmm. Now, the TRE group, right? So the three hours less <laughs> group, yeah, decreased weight in BMI, Increased insulin sensitivity, so the effectiveness of the insulin, decreased systolic and diastolic blood pressure, decreased fasting blood glucose, decreased A1C, decreased VLDL particle size, decreased sleep disturbances. That's big, especially for shift workers. Right, right. And again, decreased CRP. So there's a couple of little things we want to highlight here in that in that in that list. But a lot of the times, people come and say, "Okay, how do I start fasting?" What do I do? Yeah. Well, ideally, you want to get to that 18, 20, 24 hour mark as quickly as possible. Yes. Because never mind if you're going to see the benefits here, man, you're going to see some dramatic changes in the scale and in your insulin resistance when you push those windows. But there was mm-hmm. some cool things in here 
especially related to the sleep and the alcohol that we wanted to highlight. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. When we start to get off of the starting block off of like that, that 14, 16 hour, you know, where, where a lot of folks, especially when we have more weight to lose or we have more insulin resistance, it can feel like it's really not working, but I'm not really sure how to get to the next step. Like just the fact that, that this compartmentalizing into this 10 hour eating window and getting that that lower sleep disturbances right there, I feel like that that probably led to a lot of the beneficial effect on the insulin sensitivity because we know the two work hand in hand. And when you're a shift worker, you are fighting those sleep disturbances right there. And just like when, when you were talking about your dad coming home and like, oh, I'm, I'm, we I'm had to wrecked. go outside. We had to go upstairs. It was like dad's got the fan on. He's got the door closed, yeah. the towel at the bottom of the door. We were in a tiny little yeah. apartment, but like, right. don't wake him up. Sleep quarantine. Yes. Yes. Protecting it. But probably before that sleep ensued, like you said, he had to get that meal in, right? Like that that dinner meal, which Mm -hmm. was like maybe just an hour or two, whenever I can squeeze it in before I need to get that that so important sleep right there that I need to protect. However, counterintuitively, that that meal so close to when I actually need that sleep is going to be disturbing of that sleep too. So if I can compartmentalize that a little bit more and and don't have that meal so close to when I need that that sleep, I need to protect that sleep. I'm going to have better results right there. And and that's that seemed to be displayed here, you know, in in the results of the study. And and the alcohol portion was was crazy too because this was kind of like kind of like an afterthought here. They didn't they didn't tell the participants to control their alcohol at all. There there was nothing there. But the the decrease in alcohol consumption that just naturally occurred within both of these groups, it was a small decrease in the control group, but it was two and a half times larger of a decrease within the TRE group, the one that was at, at 10 or 11 hours compartmentalized there. And I got a couple of theories on that. Um, I was going to say, I didn't see yeah. anything in there that really stood out. So I'm interested. I'm interested to hear this. Yeah. You know, because like that, that goes hand in hand with the sleep disturbances with the insulin resistance as well. So like, it's an important factor at the same time, like not being told to actually decrease your alcohol consumption, but then seeing a a decrease that speaks to me to like nighttime behavior patterns and like, you know, slippage and just, yo, I'm, right? you can't see me cause we're on a podcast, but I'm raising both of my hands. This was one yeah. of my big problems for years. Yeah. Not necessarily the effect of alcohol and what it does to your fat burning, which completely shuts it down. Yeah. But like those behaviors in those time periods. Right. Yeah, for sure. Man, I, the, that's that's so huge. Yeah. This The sleep badge of honor that goes along with, well, I'm awake and I'm doing other things and maybe they're productive things, but either way, like I'm, I'm not asleep and I'm not compartmentalizing. I'm not focused on like the, the sleep discipline, let's call it right, right. now. And, and then it's like, okay, well, alcohol, I might, I might have a drink with me. If, if I have the drink, I might have something to snack on too, especially something salty or crunchy or something like, like that. Or it could go in reverse too, where, where I have like a, a late, late night snack, maybe a drink goes along with it. Either way, it's going to lead to sleep disturbances, let alone like more calorie intake coming in as well. But when we start to compartmentalize, having better controls on like, when is it that I'm actually stopping my consumption time? And then it leads to better sleep, which leads to less sleep disturbances in the, in the upcoming days too. Like I feel better. I have better, better boundaries. And then all of a sudden, like I'm, I'm consuming less alcohol to go with it. And then the, the health effects are, are there. Like I'm, I'm 
reducing some of the stress on my liver. That's the key component to, to fat burning and, and metabolism too. So like it, it's amazing how synergistically all of these things are like working, working in tandem, hand in hand here. I want to talk about that quality of life piece for a second too, because one, one of the, the quality of life and sleep category, which is one of the things that I really loved about this mm-hmm. was, yes, there were no changes in duration, quality, daytime sleepiness in either group, but the disturbances. So I wear a whoop and I, mm-hmm. I can tell you my recovery is going to be better when I have less disturbances. This isn't rocket science. Okay. It's right. like, yeah. duh, okay. My body can recover better. But mm-hmm. the quality of life piece was really cool. They looked at the SF36, which is a 36-item short-form survey, subcategories for both physical and mental health scores, which I thought was really cool because we did see some improvements in the physical ability to perform, which yeah. if you're a firefighter in this study, that's not trying to be cheeky here. Life or death performance yeah. on the job right. for you, Yeah. right? So- yeah. Nurses, doctors making decisions. Yeah. Like mental huge acuity, implications, strength, right? Yeah, mental acuity, right? So I love the idea that because if we look at this for a sustainability standpoint, because one of the things that I liked about this is is TRE is now being looked at, time-restricted eating or fasting. It's mm-hmm. been around since the dawn of time, right? Upton Sinclair, sure. 1911, the fasting cure. You know, I came across it by Dr. Fung because you were doing it and it was working. And then I started reading his stuff and getting to his books and looking at the research. And this is where mm-hmm. the podcast came from because our lives are transformed from it. Absolutely. But TRE is promising as a dietary intervention because it may be a more feasible way to improve metabolic health compared to low and slow long-term chronic calorie restriction right? due to adherence, right? Uh, but there's yeah. long-term studies recently that have, and we've talked about them, that have failed to support the idea that time-restricted eating or fasting is more effective than traditional diets when calories are equated. Mm-hmm. However, it seems that when the study participants were given in a limited daily eating window, they're going to naturally restrict. That's the beauty of fasting. Mm-hmm. Then you get all of those additional physiological benefits, right? Because the people at the end of this study said the TRE group improved their overall health, health change, at the end of the 12 year convention. So what that is saying is that they actually saw themselves being healthier. Their view of their health at the end of the intervention. Mm. Wow. Why? Big. Because the needle moved. They saw the result and they're they like, whoa. It. They huh. felt it, they saw it, they experienced it. And they're like, whoa. But I didn't make that big of a change, right? So that's sure. why at the beginning we're like, yeah, it's 11 hours, okay. Imagine if you did IF. Yeah. You've got considerable weight to lose. You've got considerable metabolic markers to reverse. Mm-hmm. The power lies in that whether you believe you can or you can't, you're right. Yeah. So I love that one of the outcomes here was, wow, yeah, I, this could be sustainable. And for some of you, it's not. Some of you need to track and you need to weigh and you need to do the exercise 60 minutes a day, seven days a week. Like It's mm-hmm. not for everybody. The fasting lifestyle isn't for everyone, but it has the potential to be a long-term solution. And if it can be a long-term solution in this group, then, I mean, the rest of us that have the life stuff that comes up, being woken up by the dogs, the kids, the care for loved ones, whatever, the scrolling on TikTok, I think it could probably work for us too. Yeah. Yeah. A lot less frequent, a lot less to battle there. You know, I I feel like, you know, your your previous statement is is so true. Like this, this could be a lifestyle, but 
not for everybody, but at the same time, like if you, if you are tracking, you are weighing and, you know, doing the extra cardio like I was, you know, to, to, to build a little bit more of a caloric deficit right there. Ask yourself honestly, like, is it working? Like, is it, is it getting me the results that I'm looking for? So, because if it's not, then now would be a heck of a good time to like, you know, try something a little bit different, right? Like, like it's always uncomfortable to try something new, but, but that's where new growth happens, like right at right. the edge of our comfort zone. So like pushing yourself a little bit beyond that comfort zone right here. Like you said, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be drastically different. Right. You don't have to like set the world on fire to do something better and, and, and get a better result from it. And that's where I love the, some people, this is quoted from the, the text. Some people just mm. find it easier to restrict when they eat rather than what they eat. And that is a great starting point because in shift work, the misalignment yes. of food intake with circadian rhythms in metabolic processes is the reason, the contributing factor to chronic disruption, which that disruption is characterized by impaired metabolism, can lead to overconsumption. They say overnutrition, which I find interesting. Mm. Appetite dysregulation, sedentary behaviors all of which are associated with the weight gain and the metabolic disease that that kind of grows over time, right? So yeah. just the fact, a starting point of just changing the time, never mind what you eat. And again, it wasn't a huge drastic change here, right? About a 16% reduction, mm -hmm. right? Between the two groups, uh, overall, overall in, in both yeah. groups, the control and the TRE, but the time-restricted eating, improving the metabolic health, improving, regulating the daily rhythms of the liver, of the insulin effectiveness, of the glucagon signaling, of the fatty acid oxidation, burning your literal fat stores to lose yep. the weight, right? Mm -hmm. Improving the digestion and health of the gut microbiome and regulating the appetite hormones, including leptin and ghrelin, from a three hour, just from focusing on moving yeah. the, the window just a little bit, so powerful for everyone that's listening. Wow. You know, and I, I want to I go practical again here because one of, one of the like original objections to fasting or questions that we, that we got when when we first started the podcast was from some shift workers who were like this sounds awesome i need this i've been i'm sedentary but how? I'm, I'm in a yeah i'm in a truck or i'm at the hospital whatever it might be but i i feel like i'm i'm really sedentary a lot of the time and i don't really know how to do this because i'm i'm on again off again that kind of thing the the schedules are always moving so i i always feel like i'm playing catch up between my sleep and, and the nutrition that I need to get in and, and all these other kind of variables, you know? So the, the permission for yourself to have like, to pick at least like two different ways that you're going to implement, you know, some of these like compartmentalization for time restricted eating, I, I feel like is a really important starting point because for a lot of us, especially like if you have perfectionist tendencies or you're, you know, very analytical, it can feel like I can't do the same thing every day. So I really haven't found the perfect solution. Well, you might just need a flip side of the coin. Ain't that life. Right? right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it's always like that. But that doesn't mean that you or your health have to suffer because right. of it. You you may just need, you know, literally like you're doing shift work. You might need to have a, a plan shift. You might need an A an A plan and a B plan. One when you're on or when on, you're off. Yeah. And when you're off. Yeah. And and that's okay. And like maybe one's a little bit like the, there's there's somebody in the group who mentioned that just the other day about like when they're when they're on the rig it's it's a very different 
like fasting schedule versus when they're off the rig. And it was like, one is like maintenance mode. I'm just like maintaining my results. And then the other one is, is I'm a little bit more like aggressive or vigilant with my fasting. My, my eating window is, is a bit shorter. My fasting window is a bit longer. That's okay to switch back and forth like that. Like that's real life. And that, that, that equals long-term success right there. Yeah. So for shift workers specifically, and I want to mention one thing as we wrap up today, Tommy, for Mm. everyone is that what you just said was so powerful. Pick your schedule when on and when off. And it's 14 hours to 11 hours had all of these drastic changes. Yeah. So the magic is in the consistency, right? No matter then if we go zoom out to the population, general population, right? What about your weekends? Mm. Just like in this study, one out of two days were off compared to what the other five days were. That sounds like a weekday weekend situation to me, which if you've heard our fasting types conversation, then you know the majority of people identify with the weekend warrior, which is Mm. I do great during the week and then the weekend the wheels fall off, right? So just putting some intention on the weekend of moving that window a few hours can get you dramatic benefit and keep that momentum going from the week. Just like the yeah. shift workers, you're on or off. What is your weekday plan? What is your weekend plan? What is your when you're on call plan? What is when you're off when you're off plan? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the power is in that simplicity and that consistency. So I just really love this. Shout out again to all the frontline workers. I love that they named once again that they named the study, the healthy hero study, right? Yeah. And Very we cool. know the risk factors, the circadian rhythm disruptions, and all that stuff that comes with it. So I, I just love this conversation today, Tommy. If, if you want to continue the conversation and get support for situations like this, two things you can do. One is you can go to the website, thefastingforlife.com forward slash resources. Mm-hmm. You can grab our one meal a day fasting guide. If you've been doing some fasting already past that 14 hour, you're in that intermittent window, right? Fasting mm-hmm. 16, eight hour window. You're still not seeing the results. It's still not consistent. Well, the one meal a day, fat loss starting guide, right? The fast start guide can get you some to kind of level up your fasting skills. And then you can also come and join the conversation in our Fasting for Life community group on Facebook, which is a really cool group. I love the conversations that come in. We got new people joining organically, just coming in, finding us. We created that group because it is different than a lot of the other fasting groups that I was a part of, and I'm still a part of a few. But we want you to come and get the support and be around like-minded individuals that are on the same journey as you are. Because one of the things that this article said was, well, we need to look at whether or not this is sustainable long-term. And I'm like, okay, well, we're seeing it inside of our group. We're living proof that it is sustainable in the thousands of people that we've taken through our challenges now. Mm -hmm. So come join the conversation, Tommy. Be around like-minded individuals. You can talk about fasting because that's all we do 24-7 inside of that group and (laughs) pretty much in our life. So excited. (laughs) True story. True story, right? Appreciate the conversation today. Thank you all for listening. And uh, Tommy, we'll talk soon. Cool. Thank you. Bye. So you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.